Welcome to On Course, the teaching ministry of Pastor Hart Ramsey, where we offer simple biblical insight into some of life's most pressing issues. What if I told you that a lot of the pain and difficulty and adversity you're experiencing is simply God aligning your now so you can be prepared for your tomorrow? Prepare for the next few minutes to be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Let's join Pastor Ramsey and get On Course. What's going on, family? It's your man, Gerard Bonner of Bonner Fide Radio, and welcome to On Course with Heart Ramsey. And of course, we call these sessions Heart to Heart. It's your opportunity to hear from the heart of God by way of the man of God through a great practical conversation about a myriad of subjects. Of course, hang out with us. Of course, it's Pastor Heart Ramsey. Pastor Heart, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing well, Gerard. How are you doing? I am well. All right. So there's been a lot going on. We've not had a chance to talk about this particular subject. So I want to see how long it'll take to address this. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, uh, really the Christian community was impacted rather heavily with the news of yet another suicide in the pastoral community. As uh, Pastor Andrew Stockling of the Inland Hills Church in Chino, California, passed away at age 30 after a suicide attempt. He'd been dealing with depression and anxiety. Um, Interesting story about him. He left, I believe, two young children, a beautiful wife. Uh, The church he had, he inherited from his father who had passed away, uh, I believe, like three years prior to. And uh, yeah, he's been having this ongoing battle with anxiety, depression. It caused uh, really an outpouring of love for that church and also concern for pastors and their well-being. Um, This is not the first uh, issue of suicide we've heard among pastors over these last few years. Uh, What what are your thoughts on this? Um, Because I know it's a rather sensitive subject, and I know there are obviously certain pressures that pastors feel that most others don't. So what were your feelings when you heard this news about Pastor Andrew? Well, you know, Gerard, uh, when I when I first heard it, you know, I, I had it's interesting. I, I want to put it in context, and I want to I want to be as transparent as I can for other pastors, sure. who sometimes, especially a, y- a lot of young pastors, will listen to our podcast and they will write me afterwards. They may not comment on the timeline, but they write me and tell me how it has impacted them. So I want to be as transparent for them as I can because sure. it's just a major deal. Yeah. And so um, there, there is a, an element of spiritual attack that comes with pastoral ministry that many don't talk about. We see it so naturally. Um, and when I first went, well, let me go back to Sunday. Uh, I've been going like every day, it seemed, for the last nine months. And okay. um, the, the, this, is what, this is how I found out. I was, we had done, i done, you know, I do three cities every weekend. Some people say, well, we do three services. I do three cities. Three. Literally, three literally cities, three yeah. cities, and so the, tr- the just the, the the transportation, just getting there, the commute itself is draining. People say, "Well, you have a helicopter." The, the helicopter does not uh, remove the fact that you have to be up early to travel to, and then you're airborne. You know, it's it's a lot mm-hmm. involved. So, yeah. we had good services all weekend, and I I asked for the forty and under in my church to in in one location in the Dolphin location to meet me so we could talk about some strategy. Well, okay. that morning in church, when I asked how many 40 and under we had, we, I had about men, uh, three, 400 people raise their hand. Wow. So, so that evening, I expected half of that to be there. Well, when I got there, it was, on, it was only 50 people. 
and okay. and so and that that wow. at first I felt this kind of I don't know I didn't know how to explain it. It was it felt like I was disappointed as a pastor mm-hmm. I was as a person. I, I just felt like okay, um, this this seems to be a lack of honor. But you know I processed it and the Lord led me through it. And we had a wonderful gathering. The Lord said these are your leaders of the new school. I poured into them. But when I got home, I heard about Pastor Andrew, mm-hmm. and and I was good until I woke up the next morning, because because wow. because I had to investigate his story. And here's the story, and and um, this is the story I got. And if, if any part of it is wrong, charge it to my my head and not my heart, because uh, I'm I'm going by exact information that was published. So apparently, his father died three years ago, who right. and his father was the pastor of the church, mm-hmm. and what I was told was that um, he stepped in for his father. And immediately start the battle with bouts of anxiety and um, panic. At- I mean, he had panic attacks and and depression. Like, and depression, if you've never had it, comes in waves. Yes. And um, for pastors, especially, because of of the spiritual battle, many times the pastors will handle a spiritual battle as if it's just a regular uh, conflict or whatever. But there's a lot of spiritual and demonic forces att- uh, uh, attached to it because you have to understand when 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 Satan was trying to attack Job. The Bible says that um, um, God asks, have you considered my servant Job? And, and Satan said, basically, I tried to attack him, but you have a hedge built around him. Mm. Okay? And so there's a hedge of, of protection around the believers. But when, when you study the job of a shepherd, his job is to be a part of that hedge around God's mm-hmm. people, to feed and to lead and to protect. So the, the pastor's job is different from all the other ministry gifts, the apostle, um, prophet, evangelist, and teacher. The, the, a pastoral call is, is the call where we, we have to stay with the people of God. We don't get to preach them and leave. There's a difference between right. a preacher and a pastor. And, some right. pe- and, and that's where a lot of the pastoral strain comes from, Gerard, is that there are people who want a preacher. They don't want a pastor. They don't want to be wow. led. They don't, they, wow. and they only want to be fed what they want. They don't. They only want dessert. They don't want anything else. They don't want anything that's good for them. Mo- I'm speaking. I'm speaking generally, but when mm-hmm. you have, when you're dealing with people who, who, when you, when you deal with sheep that have like a goat or wolf mentality, it drains a pastor. It, it man, listen, we ha- we have our own lives, and then we have to deal with that. And what happened with this this young man? Um, there's, there's some elements to his situation that that were brought to my attention. Number one, of course, he's still grieving his father. Who had sure. just died, and then he had to take over the responsibility of, of this thriving church. Then he had all these little kids. You see, we had three boys, mm-hmm. young family. He was just, um, when his father died. He was twenty-seven. Um, yeah. By the time he get, he commits suicide, he's thirty. But in that time, um, they, they picked the family picked up a stalker. After the father died, someone started stalking the family. It was so serious that he had to move his mother. Um, in with them, and then they had to move. So this this is the story I'm getting. And so mm-hmm. the the stress of the ministry, the stress of the grief, um, and then the stress of, of a young family, and then the stress of a stalker. And so they say the situation had gotten so bad that his board had um, given him a four month sabbatical. Said, listen, pastor, take time off. It he, they, his situation was so serious that his wife, they said, had um, urged him to find another profession. She's, right. she's like, baby, wow. do something else. This is too stressful. But, yeah. he, but he felt a call to it. For whatever reason, he felt like he, this is something he had to do. And so he continued. And so the, the board gave him a four-month sabbatical. And they told him, not only should you not preach, but don't even come to church. Mm. They told him, take it off. And this mm. is the sad part to me, is that he stayed gone, they said, for four months. But when he came back, the message he preached was called, um, um, who was it? Elijah. Um, pain and suicide. That's the topic. Wow. 
Elijah painted suicide. It, it, that speaks yeah. volumes. And um, and then they said what what he did was um, ten days after he preached that message, he kills himself. Mm. Now um, now the, the, uh, a lot of people say, well, he's weak and he's dead. But let me tell you something, man. This is real. Very real. Um, David, who was a giant slayer, who was a king of Israel, who God called a man after his own heart. He he would ask three times as documented in scripture where he says, Soul, why are you disquieted within me? Why why are you feeling like this? Why am I depressed? Another time he said, When I'm overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. So this giant slayer, this king of Israel, this man after God's own heart, admitted to the fact that he became overwhelmed at times. And that's the thing. Many of us, when we become overwhelmed, we're afraid to rest because the ministry is resting on us. Right. And the saints have taught us through, through their behavior that if we're not there, they're not going to come. And if we're not there, they're not going to give. And if we're not there, and so we feel a, an obligation to come even when we're not 100%. Right. And you, and I, I could tell you, this is not just me. Um, I, a matter of fact, uh, uh, I just told my congregation on Sunday, you know, my mother, is, uh, and I, I, I would never talk about it publicly. I talked with my sister recently, and she said, Hart, you've got to make it public. You got to make it public. Mm. People got to know my mother's battling dementia, and and, and we we've, we've been praying for it to get better. But but the truth of the matter is, it's not getting better. It's getting worse. Her short term memory is all but um, gone. She she has it, and then when it's gone, all she remembers is stuff that, that happens a long time ago, and it's draining. Wow. So I told my, my congregations on uh, in my Alabama congregations. I'm gonna talk to Atlanta this Saturday, but I was telling them, listen. Um, I have to take the month of September off. It's my birth month, but I'm yeah. I'm tired. Yeah. Now, now I'm gonna tell you this. This is the thing that scares me the most, and, and, and it's a powerful thing. Um, what scares me the most about it is, is that when you talk to the friends of the preachers who committed suicide or the pastors who committed suicide, they'll say that the person was not suicidal. Mm -hmm. That means in a moment of supernatural and overwhelming demonic attack, they chose to take their own lives because. In them, for that for that moment of clouded judgment, it seemed better to be dead than, than to have the enemy put that much pressure on their situation. That speaks mm -hmm. a lot. Yeah, that speaks yeah, a lot. And so, and so, uh, and I just you know we of course we talked about this in one previous podcast. We just buried our first suicide in twenty one years in ministry, and right. and so th this is a big deal. We live we live in a very mean, unkind. Um, very uh, divided kind kind of world. The leader of the free world is a you know jerk that 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 mm -hmm. encourages divisive um, and hateful rhetoric. And there's a lot going on, and there's a lot of res uh, responsibility and, and weight on leaders. Yeah, yeah. There there is a lot. There there is a whole lot, and I think you know it's been interesting listening to preachers and pastors and being friends with a number of them and kind of hearing their stories and obviously getting perspective on what pastors deal with, which most lay members have no clue, you know, no clue in terms of what they deal with. So here's a question. This is a controversial question, but I, I'm asking because I've my thought process about it has changed over the years and this has been involved with it. For years, we've been taught that if a person commits suicide, their eternal uh, destination would be hell. Yeah. 
Man. What are your thoughts on that? Okay, that's a lot. It's a long... <laughs> I'll say this. You know, mm-hmm. this is what I believe. And, and this is where... First of all, I want to say that that this is a subject that there's as much um, scripture to argue for and enough scripture mm-hmm. to argue against. Right. So anyone that commits suicide is taking a chance that they would be lost. Mm. I'll start with that. Okay. But... If you take the Bible, if you take the gospel, and you listen to the teaching of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. I, the, your love, the love, your loved ones who committed suicide. It, it, I'll back up and say this: When I was in the military, I used to handle line of duty, line of duty investigations. Line of duty investigations were investigations into the causes of death and the, the state of mind of the person um, that died. And so we had a rule. I think it was rule number twelve that said. That if a person committed suicide, then they had to be presumed that they were mentally ill because no one in their right minds will commit suicide. That was rule number 12, I believe. I'm, I'm not sure what it is now. Back when I was in the military, that's what it was. Okay. okay. And so a part of our investigation was we, if, if a person committed suicide, that it was presumed that they were sick. And so here's a question I ask. Um, so if a person, when, when, when we're sick, the Bible teaches us that, that we should call for the elders of the church to lay hands on us. And the Lord will raise them up. And a lot of times we pray for people that weren't raised up. They actually died. Right? Mm-hmm. So, if a person dies of cancer, cancer is a sickness of the body. If a person mm-hmm. dies of cancer, will they go to hell for that? No. no. So, if a person, now, if the, if the mind, now, the brain is the physical part of the mind. Right. Okay, if, if so, if your brain is sick, if if you if your if your brain has been attacked with a spirit of infirmity, if your mind is sick, and and you and, and in that sickness you harm yourself, you do self harm. Mm-hmm. God is gonna kill you because your mind was off, or He's gonna send you to hell eternally. You know, Jesus said this. He said, in, in, "It's in Mark chapter three, verses twenty-eight and twenty-nine." He said, "Truly, I say to you." All sins will be forgiven the sons of men. And whatever blasphemies they utter, but whosoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of eternal sin. This is the only unforgivable sin mentioned in Scripture. Right. The, the only one. Okay? Um, here's what I'm going to read a couple of scriptures to you because um, these are the scriptures I share with people. And after I advise them, I advise them listen, you're taking a chance if you think suicide is a way out. It's not. Right. But here's what Jesus said in John 10, 27 through 29. He said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone. No one can snatch them away from my father's hands. Mm. Okay. Then in John, John chapter 6, verses 37 through 40. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. Yeah. So now, and what I teach is I believe according to that, that Jesus is saying that nothing, not not mental illness, not not suicide, nothing can snatch you out of my hand once you come to me, once you have your relationship with me. This pastor, 
Um, okay, let's say someone say someone may argue what he was not in his, well, he was in his right mind. He knew good well what he was doing. He just didn't trust God in that moment. Well, that's not in that moment. According to Scripture, that's not cause to lose your soul. Right. No, it's not in, in that. In, if you don't trust God in a moment, if you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, and people say, well, well, the Scripture we quote is that anyone that destroys the body, him will God destroy. Well, let's talk about that. So you're trying to tell me because he may, I don't know what cause, whether it was pills or a gun or what, or he hung himself, we don't know. But let's. Mm -hmm. say, what's the difference between a person who, out of depression, eats themselves into a, a diabetic coma? Mm-hmm. And the person who commits suicide uh, and happens all at once. You did your, uh, th that person did theirs over time and you did the, yours in a moment of time. So so right. if, if you're going to send people to hell for that, then let's send people to hell for smoking. Let's send people, to, uh, I'm smoking cigarettes. Let's send pe people to hell for drinking. Let's send them to hell for overeating. Let's send them to hell for not exercising mm -hmm. and letting their heart and their, um, get clogged. Let's send them, to, send them to hell for eating greasy food and clogging their veins. Because mm -hmm. it's the same right. thing. And I, and I think I think it's it's better to say you don't know. I'm a theologian. Mm -hmm. uh, God called me to to study scripture and to share scripture. Um, I say it like this: I get paid to do this. Um, this is my calling in life. I was sent to do this, and so uh, we get to wrestle with the scriptures in this white. And according to all the scriptures I've studied, and I got much more. I can say this: there were there were five people in scripture that committed suicide. We've talked about this before, um, and each one of them, none of them was a good person. Only the only only good one was Samson, right? You know, and Samson got him to in, himself into a very depressing depressing situation, and and to, and death was preferable for him. But what about Elijah? Elijah himself, he prayed to die. He wanted he to did. die. He just didn't. He just didn't, didn't take up the, the um a knife or something, kill himself. But he wanted to die. And there's a time where 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 your life could become so sour that you say, "Man, I don't want to do this anymore." But I want to encourage every person that's listening to me today. And here's what I want to say to you: Suicide is the worst risk you could take. It's final. There's no coming back from it. You, um, to, to say I'm gonna kill myself to spite people is just the craziest thing in the world. Because although you may spite them, you're gone. And, you, and, and what I'm saying, and the scriptures I'm sharing, these are just arguments for the point of view I see it from. But we don't know for sure. Do not take the risk. Yeah. People only commit suicide because of hopelessness. So what you're dealing with is not your situation. You're dealing with hopelessness that's coming to your soul. And that's the enemy. The Bible says that, that we rejoice in hope. The Lord gives us hope as a gift. And so you need to get your hope back. Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Imagine being filled with a peace so deep that the world around you can't touch it. Pastor Hart Ramsey is on a mission to help believers understand what it means to have a healthy, prayer-based relationship with God. He's doing that through his brand new book titled Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer. Prayer at first was a struggle because, you know, it, it really takes faith to pray. You have to, you have to trust that God is like a person. He's a real person and that he's the one that invented the concept of prayer. In this book, you'll learn how to ensure your relationship with God is based on a new and improved covenant, which dangerous prayer habits to avoid, and what to do when prayer doesn't yield the answers you want. It's time to trust God enough to make your prayer life truly about Him. Yes. Pick up your copy of Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer from Hart Ramsey, available now at Amazon, iTunes, and wherever books are sold. 
Pick up the new release from Stellar Award nominees Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir titled True Story, featuring the lead single, It Is So. Pick up the chart-topping release from Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir titled True Story, in stores now and available at all digital outlets. Now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. It's, it's interesting because I think scenarios like this, you know, really almost even make you rethink what suicide actually is. Right. For instance, uh, I don't know that I've ever shared this before, but... Um, I'm intrigued at how people define suicide. So people would say, you know, if like you mentioned in a moment, you put a gun to your head, you overdose on pills, what have you, then you, you know, they look at that one way. But what about the person who signs the paper that says do not resuscitate? Right. You know, like that's a person who is making a life choice saying that I don't want to be on the medicine anymore. I don't want to put myself through this level of pain. Do it, Just let my body do whatever it does. Right. You know? Um, and so I think what ends up happening is it, it, it causes us, and you said something very interesting in being a theologian that you have the opportunity to wrestle with Scripture. And I think this is partially where, you know, when the Bible tells us to, you know, um, uh, that we're supposed to, gosh, scripture's leaving me now. Shame, shame, shame. <laughs> but it, when, when, when it tells us to work out our own soul salvation yeah. with fear and trembling, and I think part of that is, you know, to continue to grow in your knowledge and understanding and developing relative to your understanding of scripture. Right. And, you know, for me, I just sit back. I remember growing up being taught suicide is wrong. Suicide is wrong. You, you know, you're going to go to hell if you commit, which I think think in looking back maybe preachers taught people that for fear that if they said you'd be forgiven people would look at it as an option oh yeah yeah and and that's that's still that's still a concern even in my understanding of the grace of god and and how the new covenant works i do have in the back of my mind when i when i encourage people um because their loved ones may have committed suicide in a moment of of, of, of desperation or whatever or, or mental illness um I, I I am concerned that that uh, some people think well I have no options this uh, this is my only way out one person told me and said um um if I were if I weren't here it would be a blessing to my family one man told me wow. he says my family would get the insurance wow. and they won't have to keep uh, dealing with my schizophrenia and 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 some people feel like they're a burden and I think that's 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 where we fail at our love. Yeah. That's where we let people know, listen, you're not your sickness, you're not your mental condition, you're not your emotional or malfunction, let's get you some help. Um, the church, um, it, it's difficult to tell a person, it's difficult to get, to outright say, you know, there's nothing wrong with suicide, and then it, it's almost like, well, okay, good, because there's an option. It's not an option. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's an abortion mm -hmm. of destiny. It's me telling God that you, you're not able to bring me out of this. And, and you notice from Gerard, I think many times we preach God to people as a, a judge and not as a father. Right. We know he can build, but the question is, can he renovate? 
You know, can wow. can can he restore? Can can he give back? Can he can he do the one up? And and I'm telling you, it's a crazy thing. The Lord can take any situation. Sometimes He takes a worse situation and uses it for, as our come up. Yeah. And yeah. right when we're about to come up, we, we cut off. Wow. You know. Wow. Yeah. No, that's that's good. So I've got two questions. Let me ask the first one, which is. For pastors, what can pastors do when they feel themselves? Because I'm certain, you know, pastoring is one of the most stressful jobs ever, you know. Uh, What can a pastor do when they are feeling like, okay, I'm battling depression, I'm battling anxiety, I really want to get out of this, but I can't. What do you suggest pastors do when they get to that point? Because I can easily imagine, you know, no matter the size of your church, you just can't stand up in front of your church and say, hey, church, yeah. <laughs> you can't you can't do that. So what what do what do you suggest that pastors do when they start feeling like this? Every pastor needs a pastor. Every pastor That's needs good. a circle of friends. The same thing we preach to people because what people miss is this. Um, Shepherds are shepherds in Christianity. Shepherds are sheep too. Correct. So we have to. We need someone to watch for our souls as well. And so yeah. I think a, a pastor should have a pastor. And when he has those, those situations happening, he can go to his pastor and say, "This is what I'm going through," and and the pa- let his pastor assess whether or not he's able to to um to continue, or whether he needs a break, or whether we need to get him medicated, or, or we need to have a, have his church to, to have a fast to fast and pray yeah. on his behalf. I think that the problem with pastors is that we we become afraid of rejection to the point where we will not tell our people how bad off we are because we're afraid and and we and we're afraid to tell tell local friends because um this this um dog eat dog um system that we function in um I remember when I had to take a six month sabbatical back in 2013 the the pastor of, of, of a, a church down the road start started um Prepositioning my members, saying, "Um, well, we know you won't leave NCC, but you could, you could come over here for um, um, to do watch care while your pastor is on sabbatical." And he did, wow. and, and yeah, and he did, he did me a horrible injustice because, of course, two hundred people went over there and never came back. That's the mentality that they have. So pastors are afraid to share any struggle because they know that they're going to be targeted, especially if they're in a successful situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but at some point, you know, self care has to become um. Preeminent. It has to become the main thing, and I think that um, if you are in a relationship with your congregation, a pastor member relationship, where where you are discipling these people into spiritual growth and into spiritual health, and even into just being spiritual people, um, you have to let them love you. You have to tell them, "Listen, man, I need. I have helped you. Now I need your help." You've got to be able to, to um, put yourself out there and say, "Listen, I- I'm not well." You know. And you have to yeah. do it before it gets to a place where it's irreversible. Right. Right, right, right. Because I think the, the danger that many leaders have, both male and female, but probably more male than female. Well, no, it's probably about the same for different reasons, is being able to say, I'm hurting, I'm in trouble. Right. You know, because, you know, many times you try to fix it yourself or whatever other methods you have to fix it. And when you don't, or when it doesn't work, then you're kind of left with, oh my God, what do I do? So with that said, what do you suggest to members as to what lay members can do to assist their pastors? Um, 
and I would even say before this becomes a known issue, because I'm sure that there are a ton of pastors throughout this country, some of whom are probably listening to this right now, who are in that space that don't feel comfortable to tell their members. And I'm sure there are members who don't even think about the health of their pastor. What can members do to assist their pastor from avoiding getting to this very dangerous space. Well, you know, the first um, the first thing that is to they have to be knowledgeable of the, the type of relationship we have. Um, okay. It's a covenant relationship. It's not a consumer relationship, and so it means that once you join a ch- join a church is, is a big deal, and once mm-hmm. you're there, you're considered. Uh, Paul called he, the people who partner with uh, who were who he ministered to. He called them partners, and um, uh, and partnership has gotten like a perverted um, definition based on the greed of. Um, of, of some of these um, televangelists, but the bottom line is the first thing is is that you help them carry the burden of the ministry, and, right. a, and a part of the burden of the, of the ministry is making sure making sure that, that the buildings are clean and that that you that um you you are volunteering in positions that need help, and then when you're there you're not you're not petty you don't always keep fights going strife kills us. When, when right. the, but we have to stop pursuing vision and getting people saved to part fights between believers. That's, that's a big drain. Another thing also is is the, is, is the, the money issue. I mean, um, the, the bottom line is is that um, only only what uh, in, our, in our church. I thought. I mean, I think our church do well, but we, but we. I think only twenty seven percent of our people tithe. That's insane. Right. So we're doing. We're, we're care- And then a. a, a big portion of the people that don't tie they always need help of course they, so they come because they don't tie and so we're in a situation uh, pastors in a situation where we have to balance things we're making all the decisions we in terms of like how things are run and then if we choose leaders then some of them leaders become demonic and then they try to pull in a different direction so you're always in some kind of tug of war it's always mental emotional and spiritual and 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 it's like we're never off the clock Right, you know, I right. stood in I stood in church on Sunday. Told my pe- people, I'm so tired. I'm I, I'm gonna take thirty days off. And 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 before the day was out, there were people inboxing me, telling me, Pastor, can you can you talk? I need to. They don't care. Sometimes what? they just right. Sometimes they just don't care that we're people. And and right. they don't. We're people. We're humans. We I mean we we bleed. We 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 hurt. We have to fight the devil off. We sin. I mean we're yeah. people. And and I think. Um, I don't want. I told the Lord, man. One thing's I, I, one thing. One thing's I want from Him are people who love Him and people that love me. I, all the other yeah. stuff, man. If you reduce my church to just people that love you, people that love me, I'll be good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, right. right. <laughs> that would alleviate a lot of problems. It will. And 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 then there's another thing that pastors put on due pressure on ourselves to to um to give the impression of success. Wow. And and it's a big deal because um like you know we don't post pictures. Uh, we don't have to angle pictures to show it. Where you don't see empty seats or whatever, man. Listen, absolutely. Listen, on the dome, the dome seats just showed a nineteen hundred people. It was designed to seat twenty five hundred people, and on, and on on a good Sunday, we we will have uh, I say eleven hundred in the dome. On a bad Sunday, it's been as low as seven hundred. Wow. So, but and you, when you have seven hundred people in an eighteen hundred seat facility, it looks empty. It does. You know, we we, we have a, we we have what it's a balcony kind of situation. It's actually a mezzanine, not a balcony. So, but when we built the building, we, we the, the floor is for the membership, and the mezzanine is for guests. So, we we figured that if we do a big Easter service or a watch night service or do a concert, it'll be filled because the, the guests will will have the mezzanine and have good good mm-hmm. sound and everything up there. 
but but for the most part, I mean, we there may be people sitting on the front row of the mezzanine, but but that's it. I mean, and so I've gotten a customer seeing empty um, seats, and it doesn't bother me that much. I mean, it used to be horrible for me. Um, mm-hmm. um, uh, Safe Harbor is a smaller space. It's only designed to seat a thousand. Uh, we could get eleven hundred or twelve hundred in there, but but we we tried for space sake, and we only I think we have a eight hundred. 900 seats or something like that in there and and in, in any given Sunday we may have between um uh, 650 and 850 we don't know I mean but pastors become so uh, concerned about that and then we feel rejected and we feel like and and we actually wear down our own souls trying to be trying to be I don't know successful trying to be yeah. I don't know trying to trying to compete with mm-hmm. people who have been who've been given the gift of, of, of large ministry and the Bible says that God assigns people to us based on a concept called I call thousands hundreds fifties and tens um he he'll make you the captain that's what Moses told his, his, his generals he said um, God told Moses to make the elders um to, uh, rulers or leaders over thousands hundreds fifties and tens that, that's what Moses told his people um so some people some ministers some pastors are called to a thousand to thousands, some are called to hundreds, some are called to fi- called to fifties, and some are called to tens. And I have to be yeah. good with that. I think anything yeah. under ten, you need to disband and go do something else. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, no, really. You know, yeah. you yeah, you averaging ten people on Sunday morning, I for like twenty years. That's a problem. But yeah, um, I think we put this on due pressure on ourselves, and then that's then then you still have your marital issues. You still have. Um, to deal if your parents are still alive, you still have to deal with your own financial issues. And contrary to popular belief, Gerard, most pastors are not properly paid. Oh, that's true. People think that people say, "Oh, you." you uh, one time, someone said to me, "Ah, oh, you're a pastor. You're just there for the money." But first of all, let me tell you something. I have a PhD. They didn't give me mine. I earned mine. Okay. <laughs> right. So I'm gonna tell you this right now. If the way the way I see it is, if I want to go work somewhere else. I'm not, I'm not saying there'll be jobs, but I will qualify for a professor's, a professor's job somewhere. Mm-hmm. Someone will be glad to have Hart Ramsey standing in front of their class. Absolutely. So um, I think, but many pastors can't say that. There's some pastors who, who depend on the tithing offering of the few who, who are tithing and, and that's not mad with them. And, and after a while, even the rejection of fighting with people that you love, it, it takes its toll. Sure. It does. It takes its toll. Wow. So, so let me ask this. This is going to be slightly well. It could be controversial. I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking about. Just bear with me for the folks who know me. Yeah, let's just roll with this. So, I'm a wrestling fan, and one of the biggest complaints that I have about the sport, particularly when we see a lot of. Uh, wrestlers being injured and obviously losing opportunity and things like that is wrestling is one of the few sports where there's no off season. Mm. So you're going literally 52 weeks a year. You know, these wrestlers are usually out four to five days a week. Uh, And there was a lot of bragging, certainly for larger organizations that these guys can be out 300 days a year. Um, and so naturally when you put your body through the wear and tear of travel and athletic competition and training, it's very, it's much easier for your body to be injured than if you didn't do it as much. So here's my question. Should there be terms for pastors? Wow. That's a good question. Yeah. You're talking about terms in terms of how long they serve? Right. In terms of how long they serve. I know in some 
some denominations they like vote their pastors in and things like that and i don't know that i'm necessarily suggesting that but i am asking because i think in a lot of charismatic circles when you become a pastor there's a start date but there's usually no end date right well let me tell you um, you know in the bible um were you finished I have a, a, no 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 that that's the question that's okay, the question okay the question. In, in the bible moses um when god was giving moses the order of the priesthood um I don't know that this is a little known fact, but um, you could not start to serve in the temple or the tabernacle until you were 30 years old. Wow. And, and you could not serve past your 50th birthday. Did you know that? Wow. I did not know that. Yeah. yeah your, your term was limited to 20 years. Wow. Um, and so, in answer to that, if we use a model that God instituted for Israel, then I'll say, yes, I mean, there should be a term. I know... Um, um, and it doesn't mean you can't contribute to ministry. It means the the senior pastorate is very grueling. I mean, it's 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 a very um it's a very mental and emotional ministry. It's yeah. it's a very um I'm in there with you. I'm I carry everyone through their sufferings, through their through the births and pains, and um through through the, the failures and. You know, it's, it's a difficult thing, and, and, and I think you get to a certain place and you need young lions. I think some pastors think um, they, don't, they don't raise up a legacy, and, and here's my mentality about young uh, people. If, if, the, if, the, if you teach the young lions how to hunt, then when, when, I, when you get old, then we still eat. Right. But if you don't teach them how to, how to hunt, and you're the only person that can hunt, then when you, when you get older, everyone starves. And That's so right. um, we can't fear. We have to raise up. We have to raise up honorable people. People who yeah. know how to, how to, how to uh, honor, how to show honor, but also how to lead. Yeah. And then when it's time for us to step away, I think the church should put because most pastors don't get a retirement package. They, right. they, they, they retire from preaching. They go sell insurance. That's not the will of God. You should right. you should get at least a piece of something. You should get a portion, a percentage of your income for the rest of your life. And then you go on to do something that you, um, uh, hopefully, like and most, if the pastors live in a parsonage, what do they do after they retire? Because the, church, the parsonage is not theirs, it belongs to the church. And I've known right. of pastors, Gerard, who have died, and and um, their widow was given like two to three years to move out the parsonage. Well, where's she going to go? Wow. Especially if all she was, to, she was, she was a, um, the first lady, she raised the children, and you know, she didn't really do anything, mm -hmm. she didn't have a job because you guys needed the extra um, care of the pastor and his wife. What did she do? Right. Wow. You know, so there, there are a lot of things that, that I believe in predominantly white churches have, have worked out and figured out, that especially black churches have not yet figured out. And um, it's something um, like we have, a, we have a pastor. Um, he was my assistant pastor for years. He's 70, what, seven, what 78 years old. And it's time okay. for him to retire. At the end of this year, we're going to be working on his retirement. And, um, and it's hard for him to let go. He was supposed to retire um, last year. Um, we gave him till June of this year. And it's just hard for him. He keeps coming back and saying he's, and I don't think he's ready yet. And, and even now that he's, he was supposed to retire in July, June this year, I'm sorry. Then he asked till December. And then he came back again and said, you know what? Well, I'll just go part-time. It, it's just hard for people to let wow. go. And, and a lot of it, Gerard, is that they're afraid that if they ha don't have this thing to do, that they're going to die. Yeah. Wow. So part of letting wow. go is finding something else to occupy your time. What are you good at? Find out what you're good at. Yeah. This is, this is a, I love the direction this conversation has taken just because I think it's things that people don't think about. And, and I'll put this in the context and, and we'll wrap it up. It's just that, you know, 
you look at a job like the president of the United States, which, you know, you, you I, I love looking at President Obama on day one right. <laughs> and the day he left, Listen. you know, and by no means is he an old man. He's in his 50s. And the gray hairs that he has, you know, it's just it's unbelievable. But there's a, a high level of stress with that job. And you could argue that being a pastor rivals that in terms of stress. And it may be even more stressful because at least as the president, you have a max of two terms. You'll be there for eight years and then you can move on to whatever's next. And to your point, you'll always have income coming from being a president. But you're right. Pastors aren't set up in that way for a number of reasons. And I, I don't know. I, I do think that um, we as the congregation have to really give some thought to how we can make the job of the pastor easier. And maybe, just maybe, it's that, you know? Maybe it is pastors finding a way to know that they're gonna be there for a specific period of time. Because I don't know, I, I, I just feel like to some degree, when you know that something is ending, as hard as it may be, when it's been stressful, you kind of at least can see the light at the end of the tunnel right. versus continuing to try to reinvent yourself to figure out, okay, how am I going to make it work today? All right. Yeah. How am I going to make it work today? Okay. These people are getting on my nerves, but how am I going to, you know what I mean? Like, so I don't know. And I could be way off. No, no, you did, I'm you did sure, yeah, you know, I'm sure there are some people who are going to say, that's not spiritual, but I don't believe to your point that God gives us offices with the intent to kill us. No, no, he I, doesn't. I, you know, Gerard, I'm going to tell you, and, and the thing about it is, is um, we are fitted for the ministries that we are given. In other yes. words, um, God gave me the, the, the perfect personality, perspective, um, and the whole nine to be able to handle the ministry he called me to. There's a couple of things we, need, we, we did overlook, and I want to address a couple of them. Number one, there are a lot of people who are called, but they're not sent. Yes. And what it means is, is, that, is that they... Um, they undertook something. That in, in the, when speaking of a high priest in the book of Hebrews, the Bible says, no man taketh this honor unto himself. It means you don't make yourself a pastor because you disagree with a pastor or because you want to have authority or whatever your reason is. This thing will kill you. The devil will kill your family. He will stalk your children. He would make, listen, he, he would, you'll be so misrepresented. Your name will be in the street and there's no way to defend it without going off and be called a cussing preacher. Wow. I mean, he the enemy is good at what he does. We don't give him his prop because we praise God. But listen, we need to talk about what he does. The enemy knows the game. Mm -hmm. He knows how to trick you. He knows how to trap you. He needs to know how to get you. To, like, look at this thing. Or, or We just talked about the thing with Bishop Ellis. And people are saying he's a predator and he's this and that. Man, all he knew, he was just, his, that's his daughter's little idol, Ariana Grande. And he was just trying to be, he's trying to be cool. But he messed it up. Mm -hmm. And forever, right. whatever they say about him is going to stay with him forever. That's right. the way the ministry works. And so we have to talk about the fact that there are people out there who are not called to this. They're doing it because they believe it's a quick buck. They think it's easy. But listen, then for a rude awakening, it is not a quick buck. And then for of all those pastors, and I get this quite a bit, who are sending me, they'll see me in the helicopter and they send me this thing, hashtag goals. You hashtag goals all you want to. Just know this. Every time that thing takes off, it's a lot of money. 
Mm-hmm. And if we didn't have to do this, I would not do it. And listen, every time I go up there, I ha- I risk the possibility that we're not going to land. That's, That's true. true. Let that wow. sink in for a minute. There are a lot of things we do. There, I mean, you. you I mean, there are people. Pastors have died in their pulpit, got shot mm-hmm. for dumb stuff because people got hurt by another pastor. Or yeah, I mean, people, we are the most misunderstood. And there are people. I told my congregation in Dothan Sunday. I said, some of you don't like me, and you're being and you're mean to me because I told you the truth. Mm-hmm. I'm the person charged with telling you the truth, and you mad at me. I mean, you go around speaking ill of me for telling you the truth. Wow. And someone said, well, you're not always right. No, I'm not always right, but the Bible is. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I really believe that that's one of the things we have to look at is, is that who, who was called and who just went. That's one issue, Gerard. Another issue that we have to look at as well as it relates to uh, the past and this issue of being overwhelmed or whatever is what, there comes a stopping place, like we talked about it, where you have to let go. Right. You have, you have to. Um, there should be a, 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 a part of your bylaws that address you letting go. A part of a bylaws, and and I think after a while, when you start getting, um, if you're depressed, or any, there's some mental illnesses that to me do, they do disqualify you from the ministry. If you can't manage them, you can't be schizophrenic. You can't um, to be bipolar in the pulpit. It's no. That's dangerous. It is very dangerous because you're counseling people, you're giving people, um, you, there's something, I mean, you, you could be, I mean, if, if, you, if you can control it with medication or with faith, I mean, if you can believe God and God takes it away, that's one thing. But you can't be on, you can't be undiagnosed or even diagnosed and not taking medication or, or, or diagnosed and not have a strong faith regimen that is working, not not that, that you're just in faith about it, but it's working. And, and and be and be um, guiding people in your damaged state because your damage will become their damage or their abuse. So that's a lot, and it's, it's a strong topic. And we're gonna be talking about some of this stuff. We're gonna be talking about um, um, transition and just different things. And I have about four um, um, speaking dates this month, the month of September, where I'm gonna be talking about transition. It's the main thing, and in the transition, it's it's a part of this: the fear of letting go. Mm-mm-mm-mm. It's heavy, but it's true. And I really hope that today's session has been helpful to pastors, leaders, entrepreneurs, lay members. Um, I think this conversation is very necessary because I don't know that we're necessarily meant to do just one thing forever. We, we don't know. No. So uh, we, we definitely have to let God lead us through those transitional moments and recognize when when it's time. To, to make that move. So I hope you guys have enjoyed today's session. It's been powerful. We want to know what you have to say about today's session. So hit us up by way of social media. Use the hashtag on course or the hashtag heart to heart. Let us know what you're thinking about what we had to say today because it's a pretty powerful discussion. And certainly be sure to rate and download and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Share it with a friend and join us next time as we get on course with Heart Rams. Thank you.